this all the time. Bacon grease and sadness. You now realize that the first thing they're going to see is me patting my belly. Like, oh, yeah, bacon Welcome <laughs> to Jesse patting his belly <laughs> with bacon grease. <laughs> this is the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast where we talk about cooking pancakes with bacon grease. And we also talk about other stuff, too. But mainly bacon grease. But mainly bacon grease. Yep. Uh, happy Monday morning to you, Jesse. And you as well. This is Monday, January 18. Halfway through January of 2021 already. And I just listened to a podcast this morning, and it reminded me uh, to set your goals for 2021, which I feel like, yes, and... Just keep your head above water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 2021 is, you know, unfortunately becoming quickly a continuation of 2020, uh, which is not what anybody wanted, but here we are. So, yeah, world, please just keep treading, you keep know. Keep treading and do what you can to set that goal. Do what you can to accomplish uh, what this podcast was reminding me of was that uh, we have a tendency as human nature to just sort of float. Uh, if we're not trying to swim forward, we'll probably fall backward a little bit. And so do what you can to push yourself forward. We'll get into that a little bit more. But before we get into anything, we want to introduce you, uh, welcome you if this is your first time. Uh, this is the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast where we quite literally talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. When naming the podcast, we went very, very general. Uh, we talked about um, naming it something like Gary and Jesse talk about theology, Gary and Jesse talk about living water, Gary and Jesse talk about this, that. No, no, no. We talk about stuff. Yes. Because we are all over the board. Uh, this feels like it gives us the freedom to chase rabbit trails when we need to, uh, to make a lot of movie references, to give that fourth or fifth or sixth point of the sermon that we gave yesterday that we didn't get to, mm -hmm. uh, just to talk about a lot of those kind of things. And the really cool thing is that all of it points back to Jesus Christ, correct? That is correct. Every square inch belongs to him. That's what we believe in Calvinist theology. And so if we talk about stuff and you can uh, start to see God in it, then we have done our job to point you towards Christ. And it's our hope uh, through this, uh, not only is Christ praised, but that you come into a deeper knowledge and relationship with him. So. Yeah. And in the midst of all of that, we'll tell you or you'll find out uh, we both work for, we are employed by Living Water Community Church. And so we will give you updates on what Living Water Community Church is doing, uh, what the sermon series are, uh, if there are any events, all that kind of good stuff, uh, how you can be praying for Living Water. We'll mention that. And I think that's a good place to start there because yesterday was a monumental day for our Sheldon campus, mm -hmm. uh, began children ministries. Yeah, it was. It was a fantastic day. And uh, first of all, let me thank not only Allison and the teachers, but also the families that came out and made it a very special day. We've been hoping and praying for this and building towards it for a long time. And uh, we had an excellent turnout of kids, both for the younger class and the older class. We had a great turnout for adult Bible or for adult Sunday school. Um, our profession of faith class is going well. It was a great kickoff uh, to the year, and so things 
though the rest of the year 2020 might have been tough, what a great way to start off 2021 by saying, hey, thank you, Father, for giving us the ability to do this. It was a, it was a great day. Yeah, so, and yep. anytime you can obviously uh, support the mission of training up a child in the way they should go, uh, teaching all generations to follow Jesus by loving God and loving others, we're accomplishing some great things there. Yep. I wanted to touch on something there that you said, uh, mainly, mainly because I'm still in the mindset of this podcast I just listened to with Craig Groeschel earlier this morning, uh, defining success. Yeah. Uh, that's a really important thing, especially in 2021, uh, especially when we consider a thing like a children's ministry or even like a Sunday morning worship service. Uh, what very often happens is how many numbers. Mm-hmm. And even without like uh, trying to think that way, that was the first question I asked you, how many people were there? Mm-hmm. And what I struggle with in asking that is, yeah, okay, that could be a thermometer that can give you a temperature. But really, success would be one kid having a life changed or one person in adult Sunday school uh, noticing or, or seeing that God is in love with them. Yeah. And so d- before we get any like deeper into like how many were there or whatever, in some sense, that can be a secondary thing. We want to mainly work at changing people's lives, right? Yeah, the problem with uh, with American society or Western society in general is that we have uh, three key measures of success. Uh, what I view as success, what you view as success, and what God views as success. And without fail, every single time, we make our success, like you said, almost always about numbers because numbers makes, quote-unquote, me feel right. good because right. that's what I can see. And so if we get more numbers there, we get less numbers there, then I, whoever I is, feels bad because I didn't do enough, and we make success about us. Um, What we really need to do is make success about what God wants and how others are in doing so, living out, you know, go and, or excuse me, in living out the whole motto of this church in the first two commandments, love God, love others. So success needs to be about God and others. We come third. Let's talk about where that shifted or where that really became such a Western theology kind of thing. Uh, Mega church would probably be one thing to point at, right? But yeah. also, like, don't you think there's something with us being so incredibly, like, we want a basic yes or no answer? Yeah. We want to know, was this a good thing? Was this a not good thing? Yeah. And so the heart work that's going on is very, very not tangible. Right. Like, I can't uh, completely understand if someone's life was changed yesterday. Yeah. But I can completely understand if there were 10 or 12 people there. Exactly. Like, that's something that's foundational. Like, we're such tangible people, Mm -hmm. we want to know what can we base that success on, right? Yep, exactly it. And even just in your language, notice what we said there. Like, I can't see it. And, and I think it's not just that we need to uh, that we need to have something tangible. It's not just outcome based, what I would call it, but it's also we live in a society that's not only performance based first, but we live in an individualistic society. So individuals matter and performance matters, which is why we always go for numbers because that fits both those criteria. What so I used to work in a nonprofit. Um, well, I've worked in nonprofits for. 
what, 10 years, 15 years, something like that, with various uh, people in various stages of poverty. And I always remember this. There was a guy who I worked with over in Sioux Falls who refused to take a shower. Right. He would not take a shower. He, and I had known him for a year and a half, and we built this relationship, and he would not take a shower. He just wouldn't do it. He literally wore the same pair of clothes every day until they cracked is how bad it got. His jeans cracked because they were so matted with filth, mm -hmm. and he did mm -hmm. not smell great, needless to say. Right. And after a year and a half, me getting to know him and constantly pushing him, I said, hey, why don't I bring you to take a shower? And he wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Another six months down the road, finally I got him to take a shower. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, it took another eight months after that for him to take a shower and get new clothes. Right. But I remember talking with someone about that and defining what success looked like in that because... Mm -hmm. To me and the company I worked with or in the nonprofit I worked with, we would have loved to set him up with a bank account and the white picket fence in the suburban and turn his life around and, mm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. For him, success meant I have the confidence to go and take a shower. Right, right. And I think that's a pretty good cross-section of where we have to take our goal-based individualism out of success right. and go, what does that person need and what does God want to do for them? that success looks like. Boy, that's a pretty good segue. I don't mean to like jump this way, but our sermon yesterday in Orange City was about circumcision of the heart versus circumcision of what the outward side is yeah. or what man would look at versus what God would look at. And I think there's something there about the judgment that we have on the outward side. Mm -hmm. Where is the fruit? Where is the... Uh, result of this success versus God looking at the inside, was the guy's heart changed? Right, yeah. Was there a movement towards him? Uh, mm -hmm. Was there an acceptance of God's movement towards him? There's so much theology that goes on in the circumcision of the heart versus the outward circumcision, and I think that has something to do with where we're going, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think I think it's it's a it's a fundamental theological difference be between the two schools of thought regarding how, how uh, salvation actually happens. Number one is the individual action which leads to faith. Right. In other words, like I'm going to do something to earn faith. Right. So the individual action which leads to faith as compared to God's action which gives us grace which leads to faith. Mm. And that turns into action. Right. So right. the first one is the action comes first from us in order to get salvation. The second one, the action comes from God. And I think when it comes to circumcision of the heart, the only way we can think about it is it's God's action. Right. So it's him moving that way, right? It's yeah. something that I can't accomplish on my own. Right. So then explain a little bit of what comes next because at the end of our sermon uh in the orange city side i talked about the fact that okay now we're going to do offering yeah. which means it's an outpouring yeah. uh and to go even further than just your tithe just the dropping the money in the basket what about this week like how do i react to what christ has done yeah. And I kind of leaned pretty heavy on, like, I can't convince you to tithe. I can't convince you to talk nice to someone. I can't convince you to love. But what I can do is remind you that God is deeply, deeply in love with you. Mm -hmm. And then allow the Holy Spirit to cut that heart, that hard heart, so that the reaction out of that becomes giving, becomes serving, becomes loving, 
it's all a response to his love first, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there are plenty of ways to respond to that love. But the main thing that we have to do first is to actually accept it and realize accept, right. that, you know, he did something for us. And that's exactly what I talked about in our message uh, in, in Sheldon. We both uh, unwittingly talked about circumcision. So right. I wonder if God's trying to do something there. Right. Um, but ours was basically the same thing, the idea of, well, uh, when the people entered into the promised land, the first thing they didn't do was, you know, say, okay, we have to fight the Israelites. The right. first thing they did was circumcise everybody right. as a way to not only set themselves apart, but to say, all right, we worship and give God glory first, right. and he will lead us in the next steps. And even that calls us back to understanding a little bit of that history of yeah. what circumcision was. Because I, I did just a very brief touch on it yesterday yesterday. I'm wondering if you did, too. It was Leviticus, right? Mm -hmm. God said to Abraham, I want you to circumcise your sons. I want you to circumcise as a way of showing that you're set apart. Right, exactly. And that's that's what we touched on as well, is that uh, circumcision wasn't just an act of, quote-unquote, health, right. it, which part of it was, right. you know, and still is. Right. Uh, but it was an act of uh, committing at least males to God by being set apart for him, being different right. than the other cultures as, right. a, as the most intimate, in the most intimate way. Right, right. Honestly. Uh, so. A very uh, personal, close thing, obviously. Yep. Um, you said, obviously, there's still circumcision, there's still health reasons, all that kind of thing. But I remember asking in one of my seminary classes, so has baptism really become our circumcision. Mm, yeah. And in some ways, it's the same idea. It's setting apart. It's something physical that we can see, but there's a little bit more community to it, I think, in baptism, don't you think? Yeah, I would agree. Because obviously, circumcision is private. It's happening in the hospital, whatever. Baptism is here, and it's happening in the covenant family. The interesting thing about Jewish circumcisions is that there are people allowed to watch during a bris, but oh, it's okay. only intimate relationships. Right, right. It's like mom and dad and grandparents right. and, you know, whatever. Whereas a baptism is a community. Right. So it's not, I think you're right, it's not just an intimate family thing. It is a communal act. Widespread, right. And we actually have vows we it we make the congregation stand during a back to baptism and say, "Will you promise to help right. raise this child in the way he or she should go?" And uh, you know the congregation vows, "I do." Right. So I think baptism is an extension of circumcision, but just like you said with Paul, uh, it's we have to be circumcised by the heart first right. rather than the outward. Right. So. And the interesting thing to me, uh, I'll chase a little bit of our sermon from Orange City on this. Um, Number one, there was such a divide happening. when we're, we're talking about Romans in Orange City, and in that Roman church, uh, Paul saw all kinds of potential. Uh, there was some great things that could happen, but he already saw some breaking down. Yeah, uh, It seems like he wrote Galatians and Romans somewhat in the same time, uh, and there's some of the same themes that come through. Don't let circumcision divide you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He saw some cracks in the foundation for that, and so he wanted to call it out right away. And what I drew on was this history that in 50 years, the church was already finding ways to crack. Yeah. They were already finding ways to say us versus them. Yeah. And yeah. the big picture, 
Paul says, don't do that. Don't say us versus them, right? Yep, absolutely. One of the first things that ever happened in church history, uh, we touched on it like two, three months ago in one of our messages. Uh, One of the first big problems that ever happened in church history was the feeding of the widows, where this the Greek sect of the Jews who spoke Greek, they were Hellenist Jews, basically, said, uh, well, you Jerusalem Jews, you Jewish by lineage Jews are ignoring our widows. And that was like 20 years after Christ had ascended at maximum. It was probably in reality more like eight. Right. And uh, what the what the elders do or the apostles do is they basically say, okay, well, deacons, you do this, 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 and this. Right. But it only took a decade. Right. So, I mean, imagine where the church was in 50 years. Humans humans have this innate ability to separate when Christ wants to pull us together. Well, and is there something, uh, let's chase this a little bit. Is there something about what's fair? Like that was a word that came to my mind when you were talking there. Like I want my widows to be taken care of. I want my personality to be good. I want what I have coming to me, so to speak. Yeah. So there's always this fall back to what is fair for me. Right. And don't you think in so many ways that's what our culture is facing today, too? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not much different from the Roman church, from the Galatian church, from the early apostles. We want what we want. Right, yeah. And the antidote to that, from what Paul says, is look at the bigger picture. Exactly. Stop stop being so selfish, right? Look at what God wants. And, I mean, we we have a completely backwards, I think. And humans have always had a completely backwards, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Because, you know, Eve, inherently, her first thought wasn't, oh, that apple looks delicious. It was I. Right. Right. And then Adam, when he took the fruit, it wasn't. Oh well, that apple looks great because Eve's eating for it. It was someone else, right? It was, it was for him. I right. The, right. So our original sin was me. Right, right. Looking and inward. Looking inward, and that's carried on to this day. So we shouldn't be surprised that we have it backwards. Which is our line of thinking is what I want, then what's good for the community, and then what's good for God. You uh, said <clears throat> something in the middle there that um, maybe this can get too off topic, but. We hear a little bit about what Satan did in, like, the end of First Peter, a couple of Paul's letters. Yeah. We kind of hear a little bit of how that happened. Yeah. What we hear is that he wanted glory. Right. He wanted to be more than what he was. Yep. So even before Adam and Eve, this was already taking place, which, let's do this on theology, like... uh there is such a cliche that when people die, they become angels. Yeah, that doesn't... Not true. We don't hear that. We don't see that. Angels are a separate being. Right. So, obviously, these angels, Satan being one of them, mm-hmm. have the ability to say, I choose me instead of choosing God. Yeah. And so even an angel has that temptation. Yeah. Am I wrong there, or is that something? No, you're absolutely right. I think I think that when Satan fell, it wasn't because he created some mass, you know, chaos. It wasn't because anything. It was because he fell the moment he started thinking, not in terms of what God Almighty wants, or not in terms of even what's good for heaven. Right. He fell the second he went. I want this. Right, right. That's when the whole thing started to tumble down. Right. And then, of course, you know, you he wants glory, and then he drags more with him to right. earth, and then right. we have all the chaos we have today with the eating of 
the apple because he, you know, he right. manifested as a serpent and whatever. Right. But yeah, it all starts with the I word. Right. Everybody says the original sin is pride, and I think that's partially true, but I think the original sin is selfishness. Sure, because I want what I want. Exactly. And that's where Satan started. That's what he plagued Adam and Eve with, and that's mm-hmm. everything that mm-hmm. we see even today. It and, just rolls, right? And that's why the biggest role that we have as church is circling all the way back around Mm -hmm. is not to force any action upon you but to make you realize that it's not what you want what community wants and then what god wants it's to switch it around and remind you that it's about what god wants and then what's good for his people plural and then what's good for you man you're onto something there because i think i even miss a step when i say let your response be about what God has done for you. Mm-hmm. But even that isn't going far enough back because even seeing what he has done for me as my primary motive misses the step of he has done what is good for everyone. Right. And yep. I just so happen to be a part of that. Exactly. And then all of the rest of the steps, right? Absolutely. And I I, I look at, you know, uh, both the Old Testament and the New Testament for examples of this. There's not one person that God says uh, in the Old Testament when he talks to Moses, et cetera, et cetera, he doesn't go, hey, I want you to go to the promised land. Mm. He says, I want you to lead my people right. to the right. promised land. People, plural. He works in people groups. Right. It's only us that work in us. Right, right. We're very individualistic, right? We look at, like, what does this have to do for me? What is this about me? What what is my role in the story? All of that kind of stuff. He's always talking community. Yep, and that's not to say that God doesn't care about us as individuals. He very much does love us as individuals as a portion of the community. Right. Um, But that's why, you know, it doesn't, that's why the first two commandments aren't, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. Love yourself. Right, right, right. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, right, right. So. Um, There's something that I want to mention then because in youth group at Orange City, we're reading this book called Relationship Goals by Michael Todd. Yeah. Have I mentioned this before? I don't think so. Uh -uh. So one of the things that really caught me in the first chapter, uh, we hear Genesis we see God or we uh, hear God saying it is good, it is good. The first time that he says it's not good is when man is alone. Right. It's not good for man to be alone. And yep. so there's just this really clear push that he has created us for community. Mm-hmm. He has Absolutely. created us to be a part of his incredible group, right? Absolutely. And I think that in a weird way, and I know we're kind of going off track of wherever the track is right now, but I think in a weird way that most manifests itself in in, in funerals when mm. we, when, you know, I have this, I say, I make sure to say two things or three things at every funeral. First of all, I'm, I tell them it's okay to grieve. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I tell them that, you know, of Christ's assurance that he's there with us. Right. But then the, the third main thing I always say is, in effect, we are built for relationships and we take this hard Mm. because when a relationship is taken away from us, it reminds us of that relationship, which we may have taken for granted in the first place. Right. Right. Um, Exactly. Exactly that. We are created for relationships. Mm -hmm. And when those are taken away, it hurts. Oh, for sure. Because it's an ending. Yeah. And, And even to remember that it's a pushing pause 
for those who believe in Jesus Christ, yeah. that pause period is what's going to be hard, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly it. So. so let's go back to uh, what was preached on in Sheldon. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, it was in that circumcision brain or in that uh, circumcision idea. Uh, yeah. Joshua yep. had a battle coming up. Yeah. And in yep. order to prepare for that, the circumcision gets talked about, right? Yeah, exactly. He's he's looking over at Jericho, and this is right after he had, you know, just uh, sent the twelve spies and the Rahab story and whatnot. Right. And they come back, and then and then I love this one line. One of the twelve men basically says, "Hey, uh, we should go attack because people are afraid of us mm. because everyone had heard how the Lord had parted so the Red Sea." Strike and... while the iron's hot, sort of thing. Exactly right. it. And what what's what I love most is right when uh, Joshua and the Israelites, numbering in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, crossed the Jordan, which God dried up. Mm-hmm. The first thing that's said in verse one of chapter five that we covered on Sunday is, and the Amorites looked, and their hearts melted at what God had done, and so they basically just gave up and gave them the land, mm. and so they didn't even have to fight for the southern half of the kingdom. And so when they circumcise themselves, it's it's not just as in terms of thanks for what God had given them. It's saying we have not had an opportunity to do this all the way in the wilderness for both health reasons and travel reasons. Right. Um, we have never been circumcised because our fathers were the ones who got us out of Egypt. Right. And we are the ones taking over the land, but we are circumcising to set ourselves apart for what God wants to conquer. Mm-hmm. And I, I equated that today, which is we're facing a new year. Right. And last year or last week we talked about focusing only on the cross mm-hmm. for this year. And I said the biggest first step we can take before we take any other action is to get down on our knees, circumcise a part of ourselves that mm-hmm. God is asking us to get rid of, mm-hmm. and say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do now? Thank you for what you have given me, mm-hmm. and how can I do this for you? And let him do that work, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we talked about. And that even goes back to to circle all the way around or what. Like, he makes that move. He calls out that part that needs to be circumcised. Yeah. Pay attention to him. Um, we're at home uh, reading this uh, book, The Cure, uh, I think I mentioned that last time, too, because it's possibly, probably, likely going to be one of the studies that we do at the Orange City campus mm-hmm. in a few months or whatever. But what they lean on in that book is the trust aspect, uh, trusting that God will point that out, trusting that God will be the one that does respond when we say, what do you want me to do, God? Wow, what's the next move? What needs to be yeah. circumcised out of my heart? Yeah. Uh, what needs to be started? What needs to be stopped? What kind of goal do I have to have for 2021? That's all trusting in him, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the hardest part for us as Christians is right. to, right. you know, is is to basically get on get on our knees in prayer and thank God and, and then go, all right, Lord, where do you want to lead me? And then be patient and wait for that answer. And that's, uh, you hit on something there, patience, because it might not come in the way we right. wanted it. It might not come as quickly as we wanted it. Yep. Uh, it might look different than what we think he wants us to do or, or what we think we want to do. Mm-hmm. And trusting that his path is better yeah. is a huge discipleship tool, right? Yeah, amen to that. And it's difficult, admittedly, but that's exactly what we're called to do. Right. So that's kind of what we talked about. And I know you touched a lot about on, on Orange City, but maybe some of what's going on in Orange City this week or recap of last week. Whatnot. Yeah, it's all uh, about Romans. Um 
I think I told you, uh, Damon, our worship coordinator, and I had talked a lot about uh, beginning the year with redemption. Yeah. Uh, beginning the year with, okay, now we have something that we are being saved from. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just 2020, but we're being saved from eternal 2020, yeah. uh, from eternal death kind of thing. That's a good way to put it. Right. I, I like that, being saved from eternal 2020. eternal 2020. I like that. Um, what we really thought about then was, could it be a simple theme of uh, being redeemed? Mm. But then I started thinking, man, if we're going to talk about being redeemed, we have to talk about what we are redeemed from. Uh, this is a cliche of mine, but you got to know how dark the dark is so that you can see how light the light is. Yeah. And at its core, that's what Romans talks a lot about. Uh, Romans is known as some deep theological discussion. Uh, Romans is known for some just well-known passages, living as sacrifices, uh, who can be against us, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, that's uh, just the tip of the iceberg for Romans, because as we dig into it, what I think he's showing us, uh, especially in those first couple chapters, is this is how bad it could be. Uh, Total depravity becomes kind of a a tagline out of it, because Mm -hmm. at the end of chapter one, he says uh, God handed them over to their sinful desires, and then he lists off a bunch of these yucky sins. uh, And what I leaned on, at the beginning of the sermon was we have a tendency in our human nature to say, oh, look at them. Uh, Again, to kind of go back to the us versus them. But he lists off all of these yucky sins. And I know when I'm reading through that, my first sinful, prideful thought is, well, at least I'm not that. At least I don't have that. Like as he's listing these sins, I'm looking at them almost as symptoms and saying, at least I don't have that one. At least I don't have that one. Yeah. And that's what the Roman church had started to do. Mm-hmm. They had started to look at this them kind of language. And right at the beginning of chapter 2, then, as he's done listing all of those sins, he says, that's you. Yeah. That's you. Yep. You are sinful in your desires. You are sinful. Uh, the heart is so incredibly dark that we all are in that same boat. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a judgment thing that was happening, of course, uh, between Jewish and Gentile, um, not only in the Roman church, but in the Galatian church, like we mentioned. And so then uh, I questioned, why is it uh, that the Roman church, number one, knew who was circumcised? I thought that was kind of weird. Like, how do you know that someone's circumcised and all that kind of stuff? But number two, why is it that they picked that one? Like, what made them say, okay, all of these other sins, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. But, mm-hmm. man, if you're not circumcised, then you're way on this side. Right. And you need to be on this side. Right. And the Galatian church did that, too. And I kind of questioned us, so what is it that we're doing that then? Like, yeah. what can we take as that analogy and say, I'm making it this way. Uh, if you do this, then you're way on that side. If you do that, then you're way on that side. Yeah. And just as a very quick example, I, over the last 20 years, uh, we've done things like if you go to church twice on Sunday, then you're a good one. But if you don't go to church twice on Sunday, then you're not a good one. Right. Uh, how you vote uh, is the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you believe about mask or not mask, all of mm-hmm. these kind of things are 
pictures of what the Roman church was doing. Right. And so I cautioned us, can we please not do that? Yeah. Can we please not draw that line in the sand and say, if you got circumcised, you're good. If you didn't, you're not good. If you wear a mask, you're good. If you don't wear a mask, you're not good. Like, that stuff doesn't have a place because Paul says in Galatians again, if it's anything other than Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter. Then it's nothing. Yeah. And if I'm saying that that's the line in the sand, if I'm saying you either believe in Jesus or you don't, that's the one I want to hold on to, not all this other stuff. That was kind of sermonizing mode, sorry. No, that's all right. The interesting thing, though, is that that's one of the most difficult messages for us to hear. And I know oh, that I've been a, we've both been accused of this time and time again, which is, hey, you you got to st- you got to stop yelling at us and tell us oh, about sure. God's grace. <laughs> right. And that's true. Uh, but at the same time, no. Because Paul repeatedly says... He goes back to it and back to it. Back right? to it, over and over and over and over again. Right. Just saying, guess what? You you can't do this. You're not focusing on Christ. Right. And he just keeps jamming it at him. Right. And, and there's a reason for that. It's not because he's trying to be a jerk. It's because he wants people to understand that uh, you, hearing about their sin sometime is the only way to make sure they don't relive the same sin. Right. And you know? As I'm looking forward in the book of Romans, uh, I was trying to put, especially on Planning Center, we have to kind of put what it's about or whatever. Um, I put at least two or three times, it's about the gospel again. Yeah. It's about the gospel Absolutely. again. Because yeah. it seems like every couple of chapters, he takes the rabbit trail, he talks about uh, the sin, he talks about how to live as sacrifice, and he keeps coming back to Jesus Christ loved you. Yeah. He was fully God. He was fully man. He sacrificed for you all, for y'all, yep. so that this could happen, so yep. that that could happen. He keeps coming back to the gospel, and I think that's the theological base, right? Absolutely. And I know that, you know, there are probably some people who would get annoyed with that and go, with well, gospel. get get the a gospel. new message, you know. Right, and it, right, But right. guess what? That's the only message that matters. Right, right. That's uh, why he keeps coming back to it. Exactly, which is, hey, guess what? You, none of this matters. It's about Jesus. Right. The, ultimately, that's the entirety of Christian's job is right. to refocus their thinking on it's about Jesus. Right. Period. Which you know? really makes me think uh, about this podcast, for one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. As we chase rabbit trails, as we talk about a movie, as we talk about basketball, whatever, it comes back to Jesus. Right. Yep. Um, the analogy that I've given before, do you remember? I doubt they have them, especially in COVID time. Uh, at the mall, I remember seeing the thing where you drop the penny in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the funnel. The funnel. You get to watch it go around and around yep. and around. No matter what, they all end up in that same jar. Exactly. Same thing with every one of our discussions, I hope. Same thing with every bit of Paul's theology. At some point, it's going to end up in that jar. Absolutely. We we talked about this actually at Profession of Faith class Mm. on Sunday. The big thing, the big takeaway I said is you have to remember that the gospel, its entire point, all of Scripture, the Word of God, is geared towards one event, one man, one person. Right. And that is Jesus Christ, his death, his sacrifice, his resurrection, his ascension, and his eventual return. Isn't that awesome? All of it right. is is about Christ. Like, right. that is the theme right. of history. Right. Ever. Right. It's all about him. Yep, exactly. And we get to be a part in that story. Yep, amen um, to that. So, yeah, we talked about all of that, all of the sinful nature and coming back to Jesus Christ. Um, what's coming up for Orange City? 
ironically, uh, I put the title Reviewing the Gospel. Uh, we're going to jump to chapter 3 uh, in Romans. Uh, the hard part is that I can't go verse by verse, timing, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to be able to, but we're going to kind of try to take some of the major theological points and focus in on those. And then I'll do my best to summarize very quickly, maybe at the beginning of the message or whatever. But I said it yesterday, too. I'm going to assume that the people are reading the chapters in between Sundays. And that's always been my hope, too, to really drive home that, hey, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is you wrestling with it at home. This is you reading the rest of the chapters at home. Uh, hopefully, kind of wetting the appetite so that more can be done throughout the week. Right? Yeah, I, th I think that's a good challenge because the unfortunate or the fortunate reality is in this uh, in our current experience in our current culture, it sounds harsh to say, but there's not much reason to not read the Bible. Right. I mean, it's right. everywhere. Oh, you man. have paper copies. You can go on Bible Gateway. There, right. It's, right. Everywhere. it's everywhere. It'll so take eight minutes. That's going to allow you to exactly. interact with it for sure. Yep, exactly. So, uh, looks like you're jumping to Ezra. Yeah, we're uh, we're sticking with the final for Sunday of yep, sticking with the final Sunday of uh, renewal in Christ as we start off this new year. So we're mm -hmm. going to be talking about how uh, Ezra basically brings people back to uh, the to Jerusalem and they mm -hmm. start laying the foundation for the temple. So we're going to be talking about how the people came out of exile and their first thing when they get to come back home after years in exile is not to work on their own houses. It's mm. to build the place of worship. Ah. And what that says to us, hint, hint, Right. As we start this new year and hopefully this vaccine gets rolled out more and we start kind of going back to normal, even though we're not there yet. Right. What that says about us as we return back to our normal state. Are right. we going to be those people who kind of consistently focus on ourselves or are we going to be those people who kind of when we return home go, all right, let's uh, let's focus not only on the Lord, but the place of worship. Man, that's a really important message as we get through the mud of 2020 as yep. we begin building for 2021. Yep. My question for you is this. Um, why, like, where did this come from? Like, why did you think of Ezra? Uh, because it's probably not that book isn't on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. One of the minor prophets, if you will. Yep. Uh, where did that start to uh, filter inside you? Like, why did you look at Ezra? It's interesting. I, as you know, I'm a history guy, right? Right, and I, and I could I could talk about Israelite and biblical history for hours, all the way through 4000 BC, through when you know effectively creation is is believed to have been uh, started, depending on if you take the literal interpretation, all the way and through 90 AD, right. you know. But what I always find fascinating is that period that no one talks about, which is right after Solomon, all the way up to the year zero, mm -hmm. that you know, there's exiles and they come back and the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. And so really it was two things. It was my love of history and then the Lord putting on my heart, effectively him saying, guess what? People need to get back to my house. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, where do those two things match up? And there's two books, Ezra and Nehemiah. And Ezra is the most blatant, like, boom, here's the story. Here here's is. what they did. Right. So right. that's kind of where it came from, both my love of history and the Lord using that for his purpose. Was it kind of the same time frame as Nehemiah? Because I've yes. preached on Nehemiah before. Um, in fact, 
uh, I used it as sort of a, a leadership uh, transition kind of a discussion because Nehemiah does a whole bunch of cool things as he looks to get this wall rebuilt and all yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. But it was when they were coming back. Yep. Uh, so Ezra is focusing on the temple, focusing on worship, and it seems like Nehemiah is focusing on some of the foundations yep. uh, outside of that, right? The base look, way to look at it is as Ezra builds the temple, Nehemiah builds the wall. Gotcha. That's pretty much how it works. And, and I'm sure you'll go into this on Sunday, but uh, just as a quick, like this is when Israelites were, uh, taken captive, they were out of their place, they were ripped away, all that kind of stuff. So it was yep. harsh, it was harsh, it was harsh, and then this kind of bright light that they can come back and yeah. they can uh, do what they had done before, right? Yeah, the king basically allows them, and he right. says, "I why don't you go back to your homeland and build this build this temple for no good reason whatsoever. He just right. does it, and it's right. it has to be the it's Lord. It's got to be a God thing, and right. so they do. And so I think... I think it's going to be good, and, you know, it, it might. I hope it doesn't come across as judgmental. That's not my point. But no. I think people need to understand, guess what? As we start over again, the Lord needs to be the most important Absolutely. thing. The house of worship priority. is important. I mean, let's be real. Right. You right. know? so It's, uh, it's got to be on the priority, right? Absolutely. Now. So. Um, we have kind of talked about sermon series, and uh, just very briefly, because we don't have it completely figured out yet, uh, but we were talking about doing something for Lent. Uh, that is actually early this year, which kind of throws everything off a little bit. Uh, Easter Sunday is on April 4, and so six weeks before that is when Lent starts. Uh, you guys have even talked, I, I maybe won't uh, go too far into this, but you've talked about doing a passable Ash Wednesday service, um, something that in the Christian history, in the big church, uh, is a marking for beginning to think about how Christ gave himself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's mid-February, we're kind of thinking, something like yeah, that. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it's something like February 17th. Okay, right in there. Um, and that's nothing set in stone, but it might be it might be cool to do it this year. Um, right. Just because, because of everything, right? everything going on, what better way to mark ourselves than for Christ? Absolutely. You yeah. know? Yeah, coming off of even the discussion of circumcision mm -hmm. and baptism and all that kind of stuff, too. Yep, exactly. Um, so. so you're also, as I'm looking at your calendar, um, you're in this starting renewed, then responding, uh, then moving through Lent. Like, you kind of have a great movement through scripture it looks like right uh that kind of puts it all on a process right yep exactly we start with renewal and then we we go into resting in christ you know as we have been renewed and then we go into lent and what he has done for us right and then uh yeah jamie myself and yourself we will mm -hmm. be talking for you know what looks the rest of the year looks like right, right. um after that so yeah so be looking for all that good stuff uh be praying about uh how you all as listeners can interact with those series make sure that you're paying attention uh both of them are going really well on youtube it looks like um mm -hmm. Uh, we had a little bit of a scare there for a little bit that YouTube, it wasn't going to work uh, because we didn't have a certain amount of subscribers or whatever. But it looks like we're kind of out of the woods almost a mm -hmm. little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't seen any more notifications that it's not going to work. So we're just going to keep operating that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as long as we can. Yep. Um, we are sort of doing some backup plans to that. One of the conversations that I've had 
um, with our web host provider is to maybe put it on the forallwhothirst.com website, yeah. uh, both streams. And so that's a possibility. It's a backup if the YouTube thing doesn't work out. But I would say we're going to keep riding this as we can. So keep paying attention. Uh, what helps us a lot, uh, not only as the ones who uh, do the uh, content on the YouTube site, but also it's going to help you so that you can remember it, is to subscribe. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to both channels uh, mm -hmm. so that we are able to maybe hit that number that makes us able to keep going, uh, but also you're able to get notified uh, when things go live, when the services go live. So make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel. Yep. Uh, Facebook is also a big thing. Don't forget to like our page. Uh, obviously, if you're watching it right now, you're on the Facebook page. Uh, but just a reminder that a lot of uh, when I do a Wednesday update, I put it on there. When Jamie has uh, something event-wise, he's going to put it on the Facebook page. Uh, just keep paying attention to Facebook. Keep paying attention to YouTube. Those are kind of the primary ways that you can stay in touch with Living Water. And then, of course, email. Uh, Sandy in Sheldon, Donna in Orange City do a great job of sending out those emails. If there's a prayer concern, if there's something that you need to know, you're probably going to see it on email. So make sure that you're subscribed to the email chain. If you're not, shoot a quick email to either myself, Jesse, uh, even better would be to Sandy or to Donna, and both of those are very self-explanatory. I think they're both just secretary at livingwateroc.com or secretary at livingwatersheldon.com. So pretty self-explanatory how to get in touch with them. All of this is on the forallwhothirst.com page. If you have any questions, if you have any wonders, go there. That's also going to tell you how to sign up for Right Now Media, how to um, give online, how to give to the Ebenezer campaign. It's going to tell you all of that kind of stuff. So go to forallwhothirst.com. That's kind of primary. That's our hub for a lot of information. Mm -hmm. We've covered sermon series. We've covered a few of the Lent series that might be coming up, a few of the series that we're possibly in right now. Uh, the big thing I want to remind you again, if you're just tuning in, uh, keep praying for Sheldon uh, Children's Ministry. Uh, week one was an awesome success. Uh, we talked about what is success. But that also means if week one was such a success, you got to keep riding that momentum train. Uh, so keep praying for Allison. Keep praying for Jesse, for all the teachers. Uh, just a great thing to get going, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate the prayers and we covet them. And I would actually expand that out, not to just Sheldon, but also to Orange City. I mean, it's been going for a while here in Orange City with the children's ministries. But I think I think that uh, it, it's become so incredibly clear that children's ministries is a big part, not only of who God has called us to serve, mm -hmm. but who we are. Right. And I think uh, whether Orange City or Sheldon, now that both are rolling, um, I think just keep uh, them in your prayers. So myself, Gary, Sue, Allison. Yeah, it's good ministry is happening, so we can thank God for that. We can thank him that we are both uh, allowed to be doing this in this current climate. Mm -hmm. So And... I want to touch on something because I've had a couple conversations and I always try to pay attention to the God glimpses here. Yeah. Uh, Living Water is and has always been uh, striving to be a church for people who aren't comfortable in church. Right. I think that's always kind of been on the DNA. That's always been a part of who we are. 
Yeah. Uh, if you show up in jeans, if you show up in a khakis, if you show up uh, unsure of faith, if you show up knowing your Bible incredibly well, all of the spectrum, uh, we want you to feel comfortable coming in. The yep. second thing that I think we're kind of seeing is young families, yeah. children, yep. uh, training up children in a way they should go. All of that seems to be a calling that God is giving us a glimpse into. Would you yeah. say that's right? I would absolutely agree. I think we are a very unique church set apart for, funny that we just talked about that a little bit ago, we are set apart for a very unique uh, a very unique calling in mm-hmm. our specific communities to act as the place that not only uh, can you go to just be and worship the Lord, but we are also a place that is welcoming whether or not you are single or you have kids or you can't make your payments or you're worth millions. Who who cares? Right. We are that place for young families. We're that place for people who are struggling. We are that place, hopefully for you, not because we're prideful, but because God has called us to be. Absolutely. Yep. So. So check out Living Water uh, for allwhothirst.com. I just put the link on there. You can also uh, hear past episodes of the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast. Uh, the really cool thing is that those are also uploaded immediately uh, when they're on the website, upload immediately to Spotify. Uh, so if you're looking for a podcast to listen to, go ahead and listen to some of our past stuff. I would say that uh, we're better now than we were. I was going to say, you um, can, you might want to skip the first one. Cause, maybe wow. the first... Yeah, I mean, like the first dozen or so, because oh, it sounded like we were in a telephone booth, and you, some of those might not work out so well for you, but... Uh, do you remember the first one we did? We had those orbital mics, and yeah, we looked across each other through a window. That was pretty awesome, and then we tried to do one in the car, yeah. um, which was very, was very... It was a lot of that, and there was like a constant hum in the background. That's kind of fun to listen to, so Man. if you want to laugh at something... Uh, go check out one of yeah. our early podcasts. Uh, subscribe to that on Spotify, too. That'll get you all the new content and uh, keep you up to date on all that good stuff, too. Exactly. Anything I'm missing, Jesse? I think we pretty much covered her all. So. All right. In that case, I love your face. Love your face. Oh, nailed it this time. Nailed it. Nailed it. The outro music was perfect. Oh, prime. <laughs>